I got this feeling in my gut that said, it's time to go to Nashville. You're ready. Now at this point, I'm full-time music. So I'm like, okay, I really can just go and immerse myself. I went full-time music in 2010 and it just, I don't, I can't explain it other than it was just like, go. And so that's what took me there in November of 2011. And then I essentially threw out everything I thought I knew about anything. And just from the ground up, I would go to a songwriter rounds and go up to complete strangers and just say, I want to write with you. I want to, and they'd be like, okay, let's start with coffee. <laughs> you know, I'm like, no, no, really, we should write a song. I even remember one. I was like, oh, let's write, let's write together. And like, okay. And it took us about three years of getting to know each other before we got to write together. But it really is, you know, that craftsmanship that happens with songwriting. You know, yes, you can get really lucky on a first song. I am not that girl. <laughs> it took me a lot of songs to really learn the craft and I'm still, you know, I, I still have so much to learn, but that was really incredible. And by, you know, spring of 2012, I was performing at my very first TMA music festival, which was my first time going to it. All right, welcome to The Path Distilled. I'm your host, Kevin Harris. My co-host is Lauren Tashman. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show today. And we're so excited to have Stephanie Quell. She's Rolling Stone Country's one to watch, top artist you need to know, CMT's Next Women of Country. She's an entrepreneur, country music recording artist, best known for what you're drinking about, selfish, and if I was a cowboy. Thank you for joining us today, Stephanie. What an introduction. Thank you. So it's, it's awesome to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm Thank glad you. that technology is being our friend today. Like, <laughs> Wi-Fi is working. At least for now. We'll see what happens. Yes, yes, yes. Right. I should have just kept my mouth shut, but I'll knock on some wood. So if you would uh, give us a brief overview of uh, kind of who you are and what you're doing right now. Absolutely. So I, I, I'm a country artist. I've been living in Nashville for the last, I think it's coming up on nine years, but I have been quarantining uh, at our farm in North Carolina, which is just north of Greensboro. It's called Summerfield Farms. So a farm never sleeps. So I figured, okay, I'll go to where I know I can, you know, do something and uh, be helpful. So we've been open this entire time. Part of our farm has, uh, our, we do a lot of weddings and events. So that part hasn't been able to be open, but we have a little grocery store. And so that's considered essential. So we've really been able to help our community. So I kind of, now I know nothing about sports. So if I say this wrong, be gentle friends watching. Uh, but my husband does. And I, I refer to myself as the, the pinch hitter, the one that is there when needed. So people ask me all the time, like, what are you doing? I go, well, I might be doing a virtual concert and then throwing on my muck boots and going and moving cattle. Like every day is different to working in the market. So it's been a really interesting time to navigate how to continue my music business, uh, how to help with our uh, business here on the farm and exist. That's a good, that's existing right now is interesting. And then also to be with my husband for the first time in the history of our marriage 
for this, I mean, usually I'm on the road five days a week. So we only really get two days a week together sometimes. And so we, we really like each other. This is great. <laughs> it's awesome. like, okay, That's we did the right thing. I think other people have not been so lucky and have maybe realized the opposite. I'm here. Yeah, we've, we, we've, and I feel like it's a spectrum of either babies or divorces. It's like, it's like, it's just wild. But it is, it's a really wild time. Are you guys feeling the same? It's just, you know, it's being nimble, I feel. Like, you just have to be able to ride the wave. Definitely. And I have to say, uh, my wife and I have had a similar experience. We've uh, enjoyed the time together. And yeah. I think Lauren's been stuck in the epicenter. So I think she's ready yeah, to get I'm outside here in for a while. New York City, it's been nice to actually start the, the reopening and the beginning Absolutely. phases here. But yes, with myself and with a lot of the clients I work with, the word pivot has come up a lot recently. <laughs> pivot, words, words of COVID. Like there should actually be its own little dictionary, sure. nimble, unprecedented, pivot. It's, it's so true though. And uh, I mean, I think what's really special though, I, I'm, I'm just one of those people that I'm so grateful for the glass. You know, it, you know, I'm always a half full, but I'm really grateful to have the glass. Mm. And uh, I look at it like, an opportunity like how do you make the most of everything that we're being handed right now and it's an opportunity for so much growth you know not only internally but with our family our friends and then extended to our communities and everything else and there's just a heightened awareness I feel like we've been lacking because we've all been too busy or we've mm -hmm. used that as our excuse right yeah. and uh, so it's really it's a I find myself observing and I'm a super chatty person, obviously, and, and listening more than ever. Sure. Yeah, that's a good outlook, too. Um, so you're a Montana native, correct? Yes. Yes, so, born and raised. Yeah. So take us back. What's the beginning of your story? Oh, my goodness. So we'll, we'll go way back. So, uh, well, my mom says that I came out of the womb singing, but I'm sure she just <laughs> says that because she's my mom. Uh, so my, my parents actually divorced when I was little. Uh, I believe I was... It was like right around three and my mom remarried the the farm side of what would become my you know, childhood she married uh my stepdad was a veterinarian and uh we had cattle and bison and the veterinary clinic was right on our farm so it was just i mean work ethic was kind of ingrained from a very teeny tiny age from both my parents my dad's a, a an entrepreneur on stage i mean he's constantly creating and uh and on a farm like i said a farm never sleeps so you really learn the the power of earning your time and for me that was on the back of a horse so i knew if i got all my chores done that i would get to ride my horse and i think you know i really truly feel that this little am radio silver on the windowsill in our horse barn playing traditional country music 24 7 is what just got inside this head of mine and not to mention my mom is an extraordinary singer so she was always singing you know everything from Reba to Motown to Joni Mitchell so it was just wide open you know and I think that that's really what impacted my influences in music was that there were no fences it was like just it was just like Montana, just wide open. And so I really got to explore and kind of find my voice through all these different, you know, influences. Not to mention, you know, I started writing this, you know, poetry. I was a very deep seven-year-old. <laughs> I was very emotional. I mean, it truly makes sense that I'm a country artist. I'm like, I can bring that drama when we need it. And uh and so the poetry was really what 
started my songwriting and I started on piano. Uh, my my step grandmother was a piano teacher, and let me tell you, if you want to learn <laughs> piano from a, a, a you know a farmer, it's serious business. <laughs> and so uh, so that was my first instrument, and then I picked up guitar and just started you know playing with these three chords and my truth and just started that. And it wasn't till I was 16 years old, I ended up doing an exchange program my junior year of high school. And this was my way of running away legally. Uh, I was, I was, uh, I didn't have a, a easy time in high school. My freshman year, I got uh, bullied pretty extensively and it just was not, I just kept saying to myself, there's gotta be more. And so how I, how I handled that was I immediately enrolled myself in karate and I was like, okay, all right, I got to get a little stronger. And then, uh, and then with uh, the exchange program, it was such a great way to see, okay, what's out there? What's, what's beyond, you know, uh, what I'm you know, going through right now. So I ended up in Freiburg, Switzerland of all places. So I, I wanted, I love the French language. I always have. My mom would sing to me in French. And, uh, and so I was, I was like, I'll go to France. And then my parents were like, okay, if you're going to do this, like, let's, let's see what all the options are. And I ended up in Freiburg, Switzerland. And kid you not, the first month, I'm at this little cafe with my host brother. And there's a band right beside us talking about how their lead singer had just moved back to Germany and me not being subtle at all. I'm like, Hey, <laughs> I sing. And you know, you know, can I, you know, can I know, like, would you let me play with you guys? And they're like, well, come audition for us. And that was the beginning. You guys, that was the first time that I got on stage fronting a band. You know, I had done choir in church and uh, at school, but this was like, Oh, wait a minute. What this, this is, this is my must. And then a year abroad, I came home just ravenous for I must. I had no idea how it was just must. And so came back to Montana, graduated high school, and then packed up my world and headed to the West coast to make my way to Nashville. Why? We don't know why. It's just what happened. <laughs> Yeah, so tell us a little bit about that, that journey out west. Sure. Well, and, and California was familiar. Nashville was foreign. I know that sounds strange saying I'd just, being, you know, I'd just been in uh, Switzerland. But Nashville, I have always held it in such high regard. I wanted to be ready. California was familiar. It was close. I knew I could drive home <laughs> if I needed to. <laughs> like you can always drive home from Nashville. And I was, you know, I was 19 years old. I was just like, you know, just, just figuring it out. So I ended up learning so much there from being in situations. I, I honestly think I'm a little like, you know, Forrest Gump because these situations would happen. I'd be like, how am I, how am I in a recording studio right now with Dionne Warwick? Like, I don't understand. Like how, how is this happening? So all these really interesting things would happen and that would just lead to the next thing. You know, I would always have jobs that would be something that could help my future business. So if it was continuing my French, like languages are such, uh, such an advantage. It's just, it's leverage, right? So how do you create opportunity and uh, clothing business? So I worked on all sides of the clothing business because I knew one day that I would want to have my own line of merch and, you know, build that part of my uh, music company. So 
I always just kind of, you know, did that. Meanwhile, having really wild opportunities of, you know, performing in front of thousands of people in these different, you know, from uh, the women's conference with Maria Shriver. And uh, so it just all kept growing. And it was, I felt like October of 2011, I got this feeling in my gut that said, it's time to go to Nashville. You're ready. Now at this point, I'm full-time music. So I'm like, okay, I really can just go and immerse myself. I went full-time music in 2010 and it just, I don't, I can't explain it other than it was just like, go. And so that's what took me there in November of 2011. And then I essentially threw out everything I thought I knew about anything. And just from the ground up, I would go to a songwriter rounds and go up to complete strangers and just say, I want to write with you. I want to, and they'd be like, okay, let's start with coffee. <laughs> you know, I'm like, no, no, really, we should write a song. I even remember one. I was like, oh, let's write, let's write together. And like, okay. And it took us about three years of getting to know each other before we got to write together. But it really is, you know, that craftsmanship that happens with songwriting. You know, yes, you can get really lucky on a first song. I am not that girl. <laughs> it took me a lot of songs to really learn the craft and I'm still, you know, I, I still have so much to learn, but that was really incredible. And by, you know, spring of 2012, I was performing at my very first TMA music festival, which was my first time going to it. So there were just all these really just extraordinary opportunities that you just, you know, when, when you can say yes, if you're prepared, you can be ready for luck. Right. So. I love that idea. And it's such a fascinating one, right? Um, when you went out to California, did you have opportunities lined up when you went out there? Or did you were you just like, no, I'm going out there and I'm gonna no. see what happens? Okay. Just, I, I'm what now my parents would probably say this about me as well. Sometimes when I get you know, when I decide I'm like, you know, it's I, I have a actually have a song that I wrote that said sometimes you got to grow your wings. And sometimes you gotta, you know, you've gotta take the risk to to meet the risk, you know. And uh, that was one of the things that really struck me when I went full time music because before that I was just, you know, making ends meet and then working to make my music, and also finding that a lot of people will say to you, "Man, you're great. Let's change everything." And you're like, "What? What? What?" how do I, you know, I can't dance, you know, it's like <laughs> not going to happen. And uh, so that's when I really started, you know, getting that I'm going to do this myself and I'm going to control the narrative and create with people that want to elevate that and really, you know, what do they say? Seek, seek water, you know, where what's that? There's a great quote that I'm watching Rising. right now. Rising water raises all ships. Yeah, yeah, you are, you know, like find people that take you up and don't mm. take you down, gotcha. you know, that really want you to be your best. And so, uh, you know, I was going to Nashville with all that, you know, just like I'm, you know, I gotta, I gotta just figure this out. So, yeah, going to the West Coast, I just, you know, like I'm gonna, I'm going to figure this out. And I think that when it's a must for you, when you have to do something, you believe it so much that you find a way. I think when the belief is so strong and no one can kind of like rattle that, you know, they can maybe, you know, 
push you over for a minute, but you pop back up like a weeble wobble. Um, <laughs> it, you find a way. You, you, I, I just truly feel that way with any, any business. If you want something, you will find a way to make it happen. And I'm curious, did, which came first? Did you decide that you were going to make a career out of music first, or did you decide you're going to do it your own way first? Or did they happen at the same time? That's a great question. I think that's the first time I've ever been asked that question. So that's, that's really an incredible question. Well, thank you. Uh, the music was first. The must of music and making this my career was first. It was through a lot of conversations and interactions that I realized that if I can establish a foundation and create an environment that brings people together in a way that want to do this with me, because there's no way you can do it on your own. Like when, when I, and when I say that, I mean, you know, I didn't uh, sign to a major label, you know, we created a label and that started with the opportunity to self-invest, which is so important from getting a song licensed and putting that money into that. And, you know, just saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to do this. And then, you know, you find your tribe, you find your people, you know, you, you, that doesn't happen quickly, <laughs> you know? And, and I think for me too, it really was, how do I stay true to me and authentic to me where I can sleep at night? And how do I create something for my, you know, at this point, you know, I didn't have the flock of quail, which is our fan family, but how do I create something that inspires? And then, you know, a little girl sees me on stage and I say, no, you absolutely can do anything. And she goes out and she becomes the next to cure cancer or whatever that is. So I take that very seriously. I don't take myself too seriously, clearly. But when it comes to my purpose and my mission, it's like no one can rock that. No one, no amount of money, no potential opportunity. Because it's, it's not um, that doesn't have its, the, the value that it does when you can actually, you know, be a part of being a part of someone's story in a big way. Did you begin to feel momentum? Uh, you said it took three years before you really got a little bit of traction in Nashville. Uh, when did you start? Well, I mean, it was, it's been, it's still, it's still taking years. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I think that, I think what happened, you know, when I, when I was able to go full-time music, I felt my purpose you know, so I was like, okay, now I have to find a way to, you know, pay my bills and stay afloat and keep building. Nashville, I learned the power of a song. Nashville, I learned that a song can change everything. And a song, it all, it all starts with the song. So what do you want to say? How do you say it differently? There's only so many emotions, you know? So it's been so many steps to get to what I would say 2016 was really the beginning of this um, compounding momentum. And that was when, uh, you know, I heard a little song called Drinking with Dolly. And that song just hit every single 
emotion. I, I could, I, I could just, I could see, I could see the song. And it was one of those times where, you know, I got some pushback about, you know, this is a very traditional sounding country song. And we don't know if, if it'll get accepted by country radio. And I said, you know what, that's okay. The song has to be heard. The song's has to be heard and it's written written by Rachel Proctor and Victoria Banks and they're extraordinary artists songwriters in their own right and I just I mean I remember hearing that guitar vocal and where I was seated in the studio and it just became like like no it has to I'm very much a have to I'm all in or I'm not you know uh Miranda Lambert has a great quote if it's a maybe it's a no Mm. Woo! I mean did you feel that quote I just felt that quote I love it I love it. So uh, that was really the beginning. And that's where our fans, you know, we, we created this, um, this idea of the flock of quail. You know, we, um, my last name's quail. It's a fun play on the flock of seagulls. You know, it, it's a cute little bird. I mean, like we can have some fun with this and uh, we can all flock together. And there's just some, it was just fun. And we had no idea if it was going to make sense and if it was going to catch on and it caught on and fans all across the world rallied around that song and and the women of country and you know this is 2016 so it was it was um it wasn't ahead of its time but it was a conversation that has been a conversation in music for forever right especially our genre and uh and that has created so many more opportunities even leading up to me performing um, at Dolly Parton's 50th anniversary as a member of the Grand Old Opry. So, and that was the very first song that I played when I got to make my debut at the Grand Old Opry. And I'm pretty sure you have that picture. Yeah. Wow. Lit up. So yeah. tell us a little bit about that experience. Yes. Yeah. I, oh man, <laughs> I could just cry looking at that picture. <laughs> So for those that aren't familiar with the Grand Old Opry, it is, there is no greater stage in country music. In our genre, there is, it is a rite of passage. When you get to step into that circle, it's like something changed in me, you guys, as an artist, as a writer, as a musician, as an entertainer, as a human. Uh, the stage has always been the place where I feel like I make the most sense. Every, everywhere else, I kind of feel like a fish out of water. I'm just kind of a weirdo. Uh, but that just, I don't know. I, I got to go out on stage before and just kind of take it all in before, you know, everyone got there and um, before the, uh, everyone filled the, the aisles and the seats and the pews. And I just, I just got to soak it up. And I have such, it's, it, I'm so grateful and humbled uh, by that experience. And I, and I, when I got off the stage after performing and just kind of like had to like, that just happened. Not only did I recognize that I'd, I'd absolutely earned that opportunity and that when you get to earn it, when it's not handed to you, it's just it's like tenfold, hundredfold. It's just so exquisite. And then also, I just felt this incredible responsibility to continue to strive for excellence with everything I do musically, so that 50 years from now, 
they'll still want me to be on that stage in that circle. Oh, I, that was just, there was a whole section from Montana too. Like there was a whole like <laughs> section. My whole family was there. It was just oh, a spectacular night. And did that help Bill that you validated those? You said earlier that people wanted to change everything about who you were. Do you feel that that was kind of a validating moment for you? Completely, completely. The great part of being where I am and, and being where I was in this picture is total self-ownership. This is, this is who I am. This is what I stand for through my music, through my person. And not everyone has to like everyone. That's okay. But to, to be able to share the music, it really was, it, it's wonderful when you get to be yourself. It's so much easier. You know, it's, it's just really lovely when that has, it, it, it's just, uh, it's indescribable because you don't have to try. There's no try when you're being yourself. You know, there's a great quote, be, be yourself, everyone else is taken. <laughs> and uh, absolutely validating because, you know, I'll take you back to, you know, age 22 when I was told I was too old, 22 years old. When I think about how many young artists, female, male, you know, doesn't matter. Uh, imagining telling them that they're done or they're over. You know, when people, our words are so powerful. And if everyone just would maybe wait to react and hold on to those words and make sure that those words elevate. And even if it's a criticism or criticism's great, you know, criticism makes you stronger. It makes you, if you're willing to look at it honestly, right? But if we all just kind of like packaged it in a way where it like, I don't know, man, when I think back to those people, absolutely like, you know, me, I'm like, okay, tell me no, <laughs> like I'll find a way. And uh, there's no Canton quail was always my little phrase as a, you know, like, you know, I'll show you. But, and that, that fire in my belly, I've always had that since I was a teeny tiny human from whatever I was doing. Uh, but when you think about our words, they're just so powerful. So I absolutely had a few moments. I was like, hmm, all right, I guess we'll be all right. <laughs> sure. And one That's thing. Oh, Sorry, ahead, that story you just told about the person who told you that you were too old, was that what was going on in your head when they were saying that, that, that fire that came out, or was there another reaction in there? I was kind of like, it was, it was so funny to me, because, I mean, 20, I mean, Dolly's, what, 70-something now? Loretta and Willie are in their, uh, I believe in their early 80s. So it's kind of like, well, that's a stupid thing to say. <laughs> but then when I, you know, like my immediate was like, well, okay. And then the next was like, how many other people, how many other people have been told you're to this or you're to that or you're done or there's no place for you? All, imagine all of the delicious, incredible creativity that got stifled because someone said, you're, you're not, or you're this. And so one of my goals with my life purpose is to really just break all that open 
and to really just inspire those that there, there is no expiration date on awesome. Like you just like, you just keep doing and creating, you know, we're always trying to put people in little boxes, right? Like, Oh, you can't do that. Cause you're this, or you can't do that. Well, I mean, there's certain things like, yeah, I'm probably never going to play, you know, professional basketball. I am five foot four. Like there's certain things here that like, okay, I, <laughs> I get it. I also am terrible at basketball, but you know, my, the, you get my analogy, hopefully. And, you know, I, I, I just, I don't know. I just want everyone to, you know, behave and be awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, I know I've had my fair share of uh, naysayers over the years. Uh, do you think that your drive to work against that or use it as fuel, was it something that you've had to develop over time or have you always had that ability to do that? Well, I have always had the ability to speak out for what I believe in from when I was a real, real little teeny tiny uh, child. My parents referenced the story and that wasn't, didn't have anything to do with music. It had to do with, I saw some little kid be not so nice to some other little kid and I had to just go handle the situation. I think I was four or five. (laughs) So I think that I've always been one that when I see things, you know, just not right having to, you know, say something and one you thing mentioned I, also sorry keep okay. doing <laughs> you sorry. mentioned also that uh you were bullied when you were younger too does yeah. part of this drive is it born out of that experience also well absolutely it, ha- it has to have you know because i i have so many i have I've, i have that personal experience but i have such empathy and understanding for what it feels like to be misunderstood, uh, to, um, just be the, the, the wrong person at the wrong time or the right, you know, it depends on how you look at it. Uh, you know, it, it gave me empathy, uh, for understanding what that feels like for sure. Uh, one thing I didn't take away was bitterness. That only, uh, Maya Angelou has a great message about the difference between anger and bitterness. And bitterness only uh, infects the host. Anger creates action, right? And so I absolutely uh, am a voice for um, those that I know and those that I don't when it comes to uh, just the treatment, you know, the humanity. Uh, I think that as I've grown in this business, uh, the power of our voices, right? We all have such extraordinary platforms. So how to really drive home that conversation of we're all in this together. You know, I mean, we're experiencing that in the most phenomenal way right now because we're in a global pandemic, right? where never have we had this kind of access to each other. And then on top of it, we're all experiencing this in very different ways. So this it's, it's, it's such an interesting time. And so I think even more so I found myself going, okay, how can I, how can I be a, a vessel of good? You know, um, is it, is it reaching out to my friends uh, who are in apartments by themselves, completely isolated, 
that are scared, that are, you know, whatever it is uh, to our, to our fan families doing more uh, of whatever, you know? Uh, So that's just, that's just a part of me. And the music is, it's all integrated. Uh, You'll see it in the lyrics I write, the lyrics I choose. You'll see it in uh, who I associate myself with from every layer, you know, Uh, and that's just, I, I, I like that I can sleep at night. I wanted to, I wanted to go back to uh, the, your Opry debut. Um, I had a question about, uh, it's kind of related to two things we talked about already. uh, And one of those uh, going back to not changing, um, one thing that strikes me about your music is how uh, you seem uh, channeling might be too strong of a word, but you really do bring that um, kind of the sound of uh, it's like a modern version of the old souls or the the traditional country, as you put it. Um, And have you, in your experience, have people been really hungry for that type of uh, music right now? You know, I, it's interesting because I, I didn't really know, you know, when it's, you're, you're the person, right? And I'm like, I'm just singing. Like, this is just what I, you know, and I've had people try to take my twang and I'm like, nope, 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 nope. There's plenty of others. You can, you can, you know, but that again was a, a learning process. Uh, so I found that I'm this blend of this, you know, I love, I love the traditional country and I love blending it with uh, my style, which has the Western and the modern and this kind of like, you know, stuff and you mix it all together and you get me. Uh, I do love it when people say things like uh, that. It feels like that, that throwback or that, that old soul. Um, That's awesome. You know, and uh, that it brings that uh, nostalgia without being kitschy or uh, there's um, a lyric that has more of a modern meaning, but then my sound that blends it together. Uh, so I'm really proud of that. And that's been something that's take, taken, you know, cultivating it and just working on it. You know, I'm a, I'm a constant work in progress. Yeah, and I've, you described it better than I could. And uh, I think the combination of you being yourself with that type of music kind of brings a double uh, positive uh, to your music, which is refreshing. Thank you for that. I, I love it. I, you know, it was interesting last week I drove, uh, I drove to Nashville and we've been recording virtually for this last hundred plus days of being here and all the, you know, everyone is in isolation in their, you know, home studios or whatever. And so it was, it was really interesting. I'm like, do I still know how to do this? Like, am I, (laughs) am I still me? You know, do I still, you know, I sing all the time, virtual concerts, but you don't have that visceral interaction that we all live for with live music. And uh, so I, I got to go into the studio last Wednesday and sing two new songs that were, we've been in the process of recording everything else, you know, uh, virtually. And so I got to, you know, I was back home in Nashville and it was like, I don't know, just this peace washed over me. And it was so wonderful to be able to sing and create and know that eventually it'll get to, uh, get to the world. And, uh, that's, that's very, you know, as an artist, as a creator, as a songwriter, musician, you, you know, 
I'm not very good at being stagnant. You know, I've got to keep, you know, you got to keep moving and creating. So it was really, really uh, incredible to feel that sense of this is absolutely where I need to be and what I need to be doing. So what do you find particularly difficult and what do you find particularly easy about what you do? Right now or just in life? Uh, your choice. Both. <laughs> uh, I think, well, with anything, you know, with any startup business, with anything when, you know, with any entrepreneur, you know, it's, it's, you know, you want to stay relevant. You want to keep creating. You want to, you know, um, be heard. I think that uh, some of the challenges come with just, you know, being a being at you know you got to just make your way so I've been doing this a long time but I'm still at the beginning you know I'm still uh you know I'm so proud or you know when what you're drinking about uh you know charted and it's on the billboard charts and it's growing and it's making its way it's like you think about it from the standpoint of you know, when a YouTube video, like one of mine hits a million, I'm like losing my mind and I'm so excited. And then, you know, there's like the Bieber over there that, you know, in like 50 seconds gets a million and you're like, okay, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there, Bieber. We will get there. And, uh, and, but it's, you know, it's all relative. Right. And so I think that it's, it's the biggest challenge is having patience. I think that, I'm learning a lot about the power of timing and uh, even more so now just because it's all right in front of our faces, right? Because we don't really know what next week's going to look like. So we're really having to be present more than ever before. We can make all our plans. We really have no idea what's it, what it's all going to look like, you know? So really being patient with myself, patient with the process, I think that's the greatest challenge. And for me right now, the greatest challenge is not being able to hug everyone's necks and tell them how much I love them on a face-to-face, -face, like just, I just want to just love on everybody and, and know that they're okay. You know, our fan base is so extraordinary uh, and we have all these families all over the world and I've watched their littles grow up, you know? And so, you know, for those that get to come to shows and I get to hear the stories, like I, I'm highly invested uh, as a person because I love people. So that's been the biggest challenge. You know, I, I was walking down the sidewalk in Nashville with my dog and uh, I was saying hello to every stranger. <laughs> and, and they're like, okay, weirdo. You know, but I'm like, hi, how are you? Are you doing okay? Like, so uh, I, I'm such a people person that this has been a real, this has been a, a real, um, a growth challenge though. You know, it's, uh, I, you know, you, we have such an opportunity to be better. So I'm working on that. Has the pressure mounted um, as you become more successful? Uh, which was more successful kind of before you started tasting some success or has it been lately? Oh, that's a great question too. You are good. <laughs> you got good questions. I think that, I think that you have to be so careful with success. I think that I look at it like this, and I don't know if this really answers your question, but I'm going to do the best I can. If I don't answer it, then ask me again. <laughs> I think that 
we pride ourselves on recognizing the success, uh, honoring it, knowing we earned it, that we're so proud because we're breaking records. Uh, we're uh, showing these challenges that we'll meet them head on. And then we go right back as if nothing had happened. So I think that with success, you have to be so careful that you don't drink too much of the Kool-Aid because the Kool-Aid can really, uh, you know, change your outlook to where you're not making decisions based on fact and data. And it, like, you know, when people start saying yes, you got to be real careful. And we have a really amazing team of like honest hey, that song is not good. <laughs> or, hey, that note right there wasn't quite, or, you know, that, that, that thing that you said, we think, you, you know, we have a very open dialogue in the team because I want to be my best. And I, 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 I don't ever want to get to a part where I'm like, oh, I'm great. <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm fully there. Don't need to learn anymore. I don't ever want to be that person. So uh, I think that it's just recognizing it is so awesome. Like even when you're introducing me, I'm like, oh yeah, that you know that happened. That's a it's like a real thing. That's awesome. And you gotta like own those moments for sure. I just tend to own it in the moment, and I'm grateful for it, and it's humbling, and I'm so proud because we have an extraordinary team of incredible humans that work tirelessly to make all this possible. Uh, and then it's like, okay, let's, let's, let's go. We've got so much more to do. And um, how can we be better again? You, uh, you obviously have a very, and, and sounds like have always had a very kind of bold, uh, confident, resilient mindset <laughs> and approach. Has there ever been a time when that has faltered at all? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, yes, it was a very specific moment. So um, back in 2009, January of 2009, I was in a relationship and, uh, you know, I dealt with, you know, death of a grandparent and, and that, but I'd never experienced anything tragic. And, uh, and my boyfriend at the time died in a plane crash. Oh. And it was, it was a very defining moment because it made me ask myself the question what's the point so you know number one and lights and you know sold out stadiums and all that's great but what's the point what's the purpose and so I had to I mean it took a it took months to even get back on a stage to be willing to sing. And when I got on that stage in that little dive bar, I was not the same person I was from the standpoint of how I delivered a lyric, how I shared my emotions. And there was, there was a vulnerability in me that I didn't know was there that I tapped into from a, okay, how can I make this a positive? And how can I make this you know, a part of my story that doesn't define me, but absolutely gave me empathy like I had never, you know, obviously I'd never experienced that before. So how could I say, oh, I know how you're feeling, 
You know, that's the most ridiculous thing you can say to someone if you've never experienced that, right? I'm like, you have no idea until you know. You know, there, there's a statement. And, uh, and so it really was just, it, it, was, it was, okay, how do, I, how do I get through this? And how do I make it count? So I never ask myself again, what's the point? Yeah. And, and as a, uh, sorry for that tragedy, um, but as an observer, it makes me wonder, did you, so shortly thereafter, you made the decision to make music your life uh, full time. Was there any connection with what you found about yourself? You know, I found that I threw myself into work. I would work and work and work and work and work. And, I, and that was my way, fully, full transparency, that was my way of avoiding a lot of the emotions that kept, like, because grief is the most interesting friend. Grief will not finish its work until it's finished. And so I had to learn that about grief and that it, it will, and it will be there until it's fully worked through all the different stages. It was, it was unlike anything I experienced. So I was deep in work. And I, I remember being like, so not wanting to talk to grief, like grief, you just stay over here. <laughs> like I'm, you, I'm busy working, you know? And then finally it was like, wait a second. If I'm willing to work at this level to elevate someone else, what if I did that? What if I invested the same amount of heart, passion, time into myself? And that's when like, oh, Great. Grief's like, okay, great. She's going to be ready <laughs> to really get through this. And it took a ton of time and it took a lot and you cannot make it go faster. So it was kind of like this, you know, I think it was February, end of February of 2010, beginning of March, where it really was like, okay, we're going to work this out and it's going to take the time it takes. And that was really you know, some of the most, you know, I talk about stretching, you know, I really got stretched as a human and, uh, and I had to face myself, you know, and that's, that can be scary and challenging, but I think all of those things make us so much better and, and make us see things, you know, in a, in a, just a, a greater way to, we don't really know what other people are going through. No one knew. You know, I was keeping it all like I can, you know, I can, you know, I can, I didn't want to burden anyone, but when asked the question, I would absolutely meet it with honesty. And because what if someone else was going through something and just thought I wouldn't even have a clue, you know, there's always an opportunity with every conversation we have to really help each other. During that time, did you feel like there was an impact on your music? Yes, for sure. Uh, I would say the most profound impact I saw and felt and heard was my voice. My voice had a new depth. I can't, I don't know if anyone else could hear it. I absolutely could hear it, feel it, and experience it. And how I would deliver certain songs. Uh, one that comes to mind is. Um, now, and this is again, years later when we recorded ugly, uh, and that, um, that came out, what even year is it now? It's 2020, 19. So this was 18, I think. Yeah. And singing that song. And every time I sing that song, 
you know, uh, there's, there's so much greatness that comes from experience and memories, right? You can pull in that pain and you can remember it and feel it and recognize it and share it. But then it's all about that release and how do you get to the other side? A lot of times with my music, you'll, there, I don't tend to, I don't tend to see songs of bitterness. I don't tend to hang out there. Uh, I think that's a slippery slope for me. There are some artists that have made incredible careers out of it. And that's just not a place that I hang out. You know, I can visit it, right? But I definitely wouldn't want to live there. And I do find that other songs that I write, and there's some songs that I wrote back in 2009 that I won't finish. Mm -hmm. I just won't. Uh, or I won't yet. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I will one day. But there are, and I could, I could play them for you right now, which I will, I will, I will not. I don't have a piano. But, um, but I can remember those because it was such a moment branded in my brain and in my heart and in my person that I think that you know, with these challenging times that most of us will or have experienced, they're all opportunities if you're willing to learn from them and grow and then share it, right? And, and that's one thing that I'm, I'm very open about because if someone watching this and listening to this is going through something, now I haven't, I haven't sang a note. We haven't played one of my songs. But this conversation could really help someone. That's amazing. And that's our greatest, greater purpose, right? And so, yeah, that's how I, I mean, the, it's all, I mean, I love music and I love singing and all that, but like the higher purpose is to, you know, like be the greatest hug we could ever give, you know, to those that we might not ever get to meet. It's such a powerful thing to be able to connect with that. I would imagine, though, and correct me if I'm wrong, that at times it can be challenging in the music industry to stay aligned with that purpose. I mean, that's definitely not like a, you know, uh, for the week, hearted, <laughs> you know? But also you have, to, um, you have to look at it like, yeah, I mean, if it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. It's like, you know, that's what they say all the time about you know, uh, you know, even entrepreneurship, you know, uh, it's just, it's like an endless, you know, um, how, how to keep going and doing, I mean, the music industry is one of the most fascinating creatures ever. And I think that's a huge part of it is I, I just, I love the challenge. Yes. It can take you to your knees for sure. Uh, and then, you know, you can sit in a room with complete strangers and create something called a song that changes your life. That's, I mean, it's bonkers. It's got goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. I've been, as a side note, I've been uh, watching that new uh, television series, Songland, where yeah. I bring on the different writers, you know, and it's just... It's it's always so interesting to me how powerful music is. There's so much research surrounding like how much you know how and why it affects us the way that yeah. it does. But even watching that show and just getting little snippets of songwriting, Completely. you just see that. Oh, I love that show. I love watching that show because it's amazing how just a turn of a word, or for the sake of the time we're living in, the pivot of a word <laughs> can really 
just completely open up a song in a way where you're just like, holy moly, or the tempo change, or little tiny things that can make such a massive difference. I think it's such a testimony to life, right? Like we might think it's a small change, but it could be the change. How much, how much do you attribute your writing of poetry to giving you a head, I guess a leg up uh, as far as songwriting? I'm, I would say that it absolutely, I would love, I would love to go sit with the little version of me and be like, can I just ask you what was going on that you would write this poem? (laughs) Because I can remember one very vividly where like the context of it makes no sense whatsoever. And it's like, you don't even know what this is, seven-year-old. Like, what are you talking about? Uh, But yeah, I do think so. And I love, I love poetry. I always have. I've been drawn to it. Uh, I've, love to read. Uh, I did find that when I moved to Nashville, I learned to say what I was trying to say. And that was where you have to, you know, a simple song does not mean it was easy to get to. You know, make no mistake, some of the simplest songs have the most complex, you know, how they got there because Again, songs are just such wild little magical divine creatures in their own right. But, you know, a lot of times, I I remember meeting with a a songwriter at NSAI and going through my songs and and I remember him saying like, what are you trying to say? And so how to take the poetry and make it work for you and not against you, especially in songwriting. And I think what's so sweet about country music is that it's these stories where you feel like you're right there. You, you can see it, you can hear it, you can feel it. And so that was a challenge for me as a, as a young songwriter, really learning, okay, what am I, what am I trying to say? And I was, uh, yesterday, I started writing a song and, you know, just really, you know, just, you know, this is what happens. Every time I pick up my guitar to play another song, I'll hit a chord and then I'll be like, oh, that could be cool. And uh, <laughs> so that happened yesterday and I could see it. And it had its poetic liberties and it felt, you know, and then it also had just like you could see it. And I think that's such a cool part of, you know, our, our what we're able to create. And I think that's why I love the visual medium of creating music videos for almost every single song. Uh, because I think when you can see, we, we make these little mini movies, you know, and uh, that's just really, it's really cool. It's so interesting to think about the, the visual pieces you mentioned as someone who grew up in, you know, the MTV, you know, high, high, high right? video, you know, right. video culture. And now that's shifted so much in, in some mm-hmm. way. Well, now they're like 10 seconds or 15 <laughs> seconds. Now everything is like so micro, right? And so one of the things that with our, like, if I was a cowboy, when we shot that in Montana, we made that like a movie. We, we were like, you know what? We are in Montana. We have nice weather. It's not snowing. We have, what, a couple of days to make this all happen. And I loved making that video because I could see it before it was made. And, you know, to work with a director like Jeff Johnson, who did that one, he also did the Selfish Music video. And you put them side by side and they feel like completely different worlds, you know? And I just, I love that. And when we shot What You're Drinking About, you know, that was so much fun because I 
you know, I put the husband to work and, you know, he's my, he's my, you know, little cowboy. <laughs> so I love, I love that because you can just then create a whole nother experience. You know, we all see a song in our minds when we hear it for the first time, I think. And then I feel like a lot of us do. And then when you get to see it, it's like, oh yeah, check that out. That must be rewarding when you can, because uh, there've been several projects, not songwriting, obviously, but things that I can only see myself. And then when it was finally comes to fruition, other people are able to see it. So that must be rewarding to yeah. have that experience every time. Yeah, it's, it's super cool. Uh, what do you view as the keys to your success? What do I think is the key? Yes. Hmm. I just think the key is, it's just that relentless perseverance and determination. And that also the authentic space that we strive every day to keep and create and continue and elevate, uh, that, uh, you know, with every song, it's like writing a better song, right? You're like, okay, how can you make that better? And with every recording, it's like, okay, how can you take it and take it to another level? And not shifting, but expanding. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the key. And also, you know, uh, this is a big part of it. And, and I remember this cause it was 2008 when I ran the LA marathon, which I will never do again. <laughs> Let me be clear. Uh, one and done. Uh, but I, I chose to do it. I only had about two months of planning. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do the marathon. This was, this is, I don't suggest this. If you're going to do a marathon, give yourself like a year, uh, to prepare. So I, um, I remember running the marathon and it was like mile 19, which by the way, they're 26 miles, 26.2, I believe, not 23. Also got a little in my, my, my brain was probably very hungry at mile 23 when I was like, I'm done, not done. And, uh, but mile 19, I remember it so vividly because I remember there was a moment where it was just, it was just like, okay, should I just call it? Like, no one's going to know. No one's going to really know if I finish. You know, you go through all these things in your mind where you like convince yourself it's okay to quit. And, uh, and I remember like I'm slowing down a little bit and I look to my right and I look to my left. Now, not like, like a quick, like, okay, you know this. I turned my neck both ways and it slowed me down. Paying attention and focusing on the people passing me. And I remembered having this conversation with myself. I'm like, you got to remember this moment right now. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to, you know, I took some ice. You know, they have, everyone's so kind on the sidelines of, you know, uh, of the marathon. They're handing you anything you can. I remember like squeezing ice in my hands so hard to try to not think about the pain in my knees as I'm like, I'm probably in slow motion in real life. But in my mind, I was running, you know, and I remember a friend of mine seeing my name on my, on my bib, on my number. And they're like, quail. And I'm like, Lord. <laughs> and, I'm like, what? And, and it was one of my friends and she came out and she ran like, I don't know how long with me. And just, she was there in that moment and I was able to keep going. And I remembered looking back on mile 19 you know, in our industry, in all industries, sometimes people get ahead faster than others. 
and the ladder goes up and the ladder comes down. And I've really, it's, it is a daily, daily focus to recognize what's going around you, but not let it change where you're going, right? To, if you, if you are headed in a direction that you are determined to get to, it is always good to know what's going on around you. You know, I, I, I have tons of friends that we all started at the same time that are, some have number ones and some have left entirely. And it's just the nature of it. And it's one of those things that's good to see what's going on, but don't let it derail you. Because, I mean, just, you know, when you look this way versus when you turn and you're seeing who's coming up, it will slow you down. So I think that's a, that's been a really good visual experience for me that I, I think about often because it's such, I mean, man, you just try it. Just try it when you're walking in the grocery store. It will, like your body just can't. You're like, oh, I got to slow down. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Was there a moment that you recall that you had to talk yourself into staying in the music race, so to speak? There have absolutely been some times where I've questioned. And then just like that, you know, something will happen. It's like just when you need a little something to remind you. And it's not necessarily a big thing. Like now I say big thing from the, you know, the claims of our, like our industries, right? Like an accolade or an award. It could be a message from a mom that says, I didn't know what you stood for. And when my daughter met you, I was so glad to know that she could look up to you and not be disappointed. Okay, I'm gonna keep going. Sure. Yeah. So what advice would you give an aspiring entrepreneur entrepreneur or uh, music person? Hopeful? Yeah. Well, let's start with the, the, the music side of things. Uh, I think that for young aspiring, I mean, there's so much opportunity. There's so many ways to get your music heard right now just from your home, right? Like, or apartment or wherever, your garage, uh, anywhere. And I would say, focus on what you want to say. And for those that are aspiring songwriters, like it is, it is a job. It's a craft. You can be great at it. You can learn to be great at it. It just takes, you know, it takes time like anything else. And I think to songwriters that want to be artists, being able to be self-contained, I've never been more aware of that than this last hundred some days of being able to perform just me and a guitar and share that and not have to rely on, you know, anyone else. Do I miss my band to no ends of the earth? Yes. Do I so want them to play the solos and have no one ever hear me go ever again? For sure. But I think that self-containment just gives you such ownership in your music and it becomes, uh, it becomes second nature and muscle memory. And I think that's so important. And uh, for those that want to be entertainers, study the greats, go to a Garth concert but when you can. When obviously when we are able to, but I, I, uh, Taylor, um, George Strait, I go to concerts and I study my poor husband, you know, he's like, we're going to a concert. I'm like, I know, but I'm doing my homework. You have a great job. And I'm like, 
And I'm like taking notes. I, I was at, I mean, I don't, I, I take them on my phone. So this is more accurate. But uh, I was at the George Strait concert and uh, the sweet people from the crew saw me and I'm like taking notes and like, okay, Chiz, that song. And I was okay, he's doing this one. They think that they're like, can we give you a set list? I'm like, okay, yes, it's amazing. <laughs> like, cause you're, you're kind of intense. <laughs> Enjoy the show. Uh, so I would say all those things for the music side and for musicians, I mean, just it's every day. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an, I'm an okay musician. Like I say that because if you spend 30 minutes in Nashville, you will see some of the greatest musicians in the history of the world everywhere. So I am, I am good at doing what I need to do. Tons of room for improvement, a thousand percent. Uh, but for the musicians, like just, if that is what you want to do, that is an total available career where you could just end up playing guitar every day for the rest of your however long you want to play it for so that's amazing you know and drummers and and track guys like the track world is amazing now for the entrepreneurs if you want a weekend go get a nine-to-five <laughs> if you want to sleep in entrepreneur is is not is not you know if that's like if it like entrepreneurs I feel like it's it's got to be like a it's got to feel like it's the only thing and I, I mean that relatively speaking meaning that this is a must for me it's been a must finding my way when I get an idea to create something, it's a must, I find a way. I think that if that's not in you, then don't. There are extraordinary opportunities to be a part of a team. There, you don't have to, you know, run it yourself and, and create, it just depends on what makes you tick. You know, like what gets you so excited where you can't wait to get up in the morning. And now fortunately, my husband and I are, we're both entrepreneurs. so. We tend to, okay, like, like, let's do this and let's do this and we could do this. And it's, and that, that endless kind of like how to create more good. Right. But it really depends on, you know, what gets you so excited? You know, I never knew what a weekend was up until this last hundred plus. So it was hard for me to relate to wanting a Friday. It really was. And now I get it. Now I get it. I totally get it. And I I look forward to the weekends now, which is like reversal, right? Because in music, you know, you're usually that's when you're on the road, and Sunday, Monday is kind of your, you know, kind of your downtime or whatever. And uh, and now I, I I understand it in a way that I never did. I understand having dinner, you know, with your person, and at at a time that you you decide on. This is all new territory, you know, and, it, and it's beautiful. So, you know, it's just really like what, you know, create your world in here and then find a way to make it all make sense. Now, there are awesome entrepreneurs that get to sleep in. I am damn pressed. That's awesome. You know, there's always all different ways. I just think that, you know, it, it can't be a plan B. You know, there can't be another option. I think that's really important. Like, there's like, especially in music and if there's something else that you're more excited about, like, how can you make that your job? And then music 
you know, you love it, well then just do it for fun and don't put yourself through, you know, losing the love. I've told my team a thousand times that if the love and the passion for what I can do by myself with no one watching, playing my guitar, writing a song, if that loses its luster, if that loses its spark, then something has gone wrong. And then we got to like evaluate, you know, because then that's you, you, that sparkle and that magic that happens with live music and with all of that stuff. If it can't, if it doesn't happen right here, how are you going to, I'm not that good actor. <laughs> well, and then it's hard for the music to connect with people in the way yeah. that it to. And I, I think that even more so, pardon me, but I feel like now more than ever, you guys can feel it. Everyone can feel it when you're like, ah, that's not, that's not honest. I'm curious, you mentioned, you know, something that has come up in conversations quite a bit with colleagues and clients, this idea of the ways that, the things that we're learning about ourselves right. and having to shift and all that now, and what we might take with us when the world hopefully sometime soon moves forward and out of this um, and what we might leave behind. And so what are your thoughts on that? What are some things that you might take with you and what are some things you might leave behind? That's great. I'm going to leave some of the self-criticism that was hanging out with me March 10th. I think March 11th is when I got here. That I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to let that stay back in early 2020. I feel like we're all so critical of ourselves, right? And we see it everywhere. We've got to, you know, be this and we're filtered and we're all these different things. I think that I've learned that, you know what? I'm going to eat the bread. I'm going to enjoy all this precious time. And if I stay up a little late and have great memories with my family and I still got to get up early, I'm going to soak up the moments more. I think that's definitely something that I've found myself doing more than ever through this time is like really like just soaking up this time. Cause you know, I don't wish this had happened, but because this has happened, it's allowed me to have connective time with my husband and my stepkids and my family and in ways that had it not happened, I don't know that we would have gotten that opportunity. So it's a very strange thing. I know we're all wrestling with these conversations, right? And I would say that time is our greatest commodity. So how do we, and how do I specifically self-manage that? And really, you know, I am the queen of yes. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I love it. Let's do it. And so <laughs> I think that really taking a moment and saying, okay, is this the best next step? You know, there's so much strategy and there's so much like, okay, well, if this happens, we'll do this. And we, we live in that world, obviously, as, as, as people in business in any facet, right? So we're always in that world. I think that really the value of the what it is, you know, the value, not monetary value, the value, because I'm just so on fire for my purpose and 
really wanting just to like, okay, how can, how can we just do this with everybody and let them know that they're loved and uh, heard and all those things. So I think that if anything, the evaluation process of the yes has shifted and where, and where I spend my time and how I spend my time. And also through these virtual opportunities, more opportunities have come about. So now it's like, okay, well, I probably can't get to Alaska next week, but could we do something super cool virtually to be able to connect? This is not a thing. I'm just using it as an example. But if anyone in Alaska would like to do that, that'd be awesome. Uh, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? So I think that it's just really, you know, uh, looking at everything like, okay, through that, through the finite lens and being in the, the weeds of it all. And then also like that big, big picture so that at the close of the year in our family, we do a big, you know, like reflection and, uh, you know, um, I put my vision board for this year together on the 31st, which I have been carrying around in my back pocket every day since. And it's all, it's pretty mangled. It needs to be revitalized, but it has changed, right? Like life for all of us has changed so much. And my personal vision has, has been amplified for sure. So there are some words that, and some pictures, I use pictures because I'm very visual, uh, that will need to be, you know, uh, you know, updated. And that's exciting. That's good. You know, so I, I would say that. What's something that you're going to leave behind? Well, Either of you. I'm planning to resume my uh, Brad Pitt lookalike career. <laughs> <laughs> yes! I love uh, it. It didn't go as well as I wanted the first time, but since I've had a chance to reflect, I'm going to give it another shot. <laughs> she, Laura's going to get tired more, of that I'm going to say, I'm going to take the more serious answer as a also kind of entrepreneur and person in business for themselves. Yeah. It's been very similar, you know, trying to find what energy really feeds me and take the time, the, the forced time to, uh, figure out what direction I want to be moving forward and not right. just the rat race that we were right. all in of moving forward. It, it's really, so in, it feels like the, it was like, okay, everyone pause and however you want to look at it. Now you have the time. You don't have the excuse of, I don't have the time. And time is one of the most interesting words that I have had. I have, I have been at odds with the word time, but now time and I are friends because it's all in how we say it, right? If I were to say to you guys, I, I just don't have the time or, well, I have all the time. So again, it's just that quick shift that happens just by saying, I'm running out of time or I have all the time. And these little things that we can tell ourselves to keep ourselves from believing the noise that can happen from all the things that we're told that we're supposed to this, that, or the other, right? Versus just be like, you know what? I got all the time. And, uh, and that's a good that time. And I, I should write a song, uh, <laughs> but it's true. It's, it's really, I, I think that, you know, I kind of feel like we're all like little, little rubber bands. We're all being stretched to just like, you know, like little, little slingshots, like, okay, I just had to pull you back for a minute before I could, you know, 
let you go do all the things that you're meant to do. I don't know. And my serious answer is pretty much the same. I've had a chance to reflect on what it is that's important and uh, what I want to retain and what I want to give up. Yeah. So I think we're all doing yeah. at least those that um, those of those of us who are tremendously busy are yeah. having a chance to kind of look and see what it looks like and put For it back sure. together in a better way. What's something that you learned about your wife that you might not have known, Kevin? <laughs> Um, right now he's thinking about what he can actually say without no, no. getting in trouble <laughs> don't get in trouble don't get in trouble no, we've been together a long time so there wasn't a lot to find out but um it's kind of a cliche um between the hearing some of her side of the zoom conversations during her work meetings i learned yeah. more about her work persona right sure uh, it's um she's really impressive co-worker <laughs> <laughs> there's like a heightened appreciation right yeah yeah, yeah that's really cool yeah so, no I, I i can i can relate to that there's like i that's it's a beautiful thing and getting to see lauren a lot more uh during these recordings has been a great thing um having this project we both loved it it's been such a fun thing to to really uh, get going during this time for sure so awesome um, well i just think it's incredible like again like we are all in different states and we're able, you know, to have this conversation, which I hope, you know, there are little moments that people will be able to take with them and run with. And the, the, the incredibleness of just the fact that, you know, when this comes out, it will be available to anyone anywhere. Sure. And just to think that we live in a time where we can, you know, I don't know, man, that's, that's pretty wild. Definitely. Um, and so one of the final few questions, uh, Lauren and I met in graduate school and we studied expertise. Which feels like many years ago now. <laughs> <laughs> and so one of the things that we focused on was expert performance and expertise, um, how people in whatever the domain or area get good at what they do. So musicians, right. surgeons, so on. One of the questions that has been around probably since the beginning of humanity, um, is that of nature versus nurture and an extreme view of nature would be that you're born with everything you need. There's nothing on the outside needed right. to cultivate that an extreme view of the nurture side would be you're born with nothing. Everything is reliant on what you encounter or right. the environment. Of course, there's everything in the middle. Where do you fall on that? The spectrum continuum, of, of continuum. This? Yeah. <laughs> It's like, man, you guys are, you guys should do this because you're <laughs> <laughs> a great question. Uh, I would say that I think that it, I'm going to just speak to my personal case. You know, I uh, was born with uh, a, a voice that was able to be nurtured and I was born with a personality that was able to be nurtured and so I'm a blend, right? You know, I have spent thousands of hours, thousands of hours from singing to playing to writing to entertaining. I remember when someone said to me, gosh, I, I was, I don't even know if I was 20 years old yet. They said, when your music matches your personality, then you'll have something. I was like, is that the is that one of those backhanded compliments? <laughs> like, is that, is that a compliment? <laughs> um, you know, like, but it was, it was, it, you know, my music wasn't where it needed to be at that time. 
and I think my personality showed up probably first, obviously. So, uh, so I think it's, you know, I think it's, there are some people that are tone deaf and that is, that is a thing that occurs, you know, and, and they can't sing and they can't, you know, that's a, that is a, that is a natural thing that happens. Uh, I would have to ask my voice teacher if that's something that you can, I don't know. Uh, but I think that, yeah, I mean, like, like, look at like the, you know, those, those voices that are just perfection, Alison Krauss, Celine Dion, Whitney Houston, uh, Mariah Carey, you know, Aretha Franklin, that, that, that was a born, holy shnikes. Did that just come out of a little kid and then cultivated and expanded upon and, and, and nurtured. But, you know, like if you've ever heard Alison Krauss sing, like she, it's perfection, you know, that's, that is something that ain't never going to happen here because it's, you know, yes, I can constantly get better. Right. Hopefully. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and continue to, you know, expand my range and and expand my skills but then there's that inherent je ne sais quoi that you're just like oh wow I mean that's just you know we see it in sports we see it uh you know just in 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 sciences and we see it across the board you know so I, I don't know if that answers it at all uh but I think that there's certain things I was born with that have made it possible for me to nurture yeah, good answer. Um, and then what's the biggest takeaway from your story? Hmm. Just don't stop. Just don't stop. No one can make you quit. My new mantra is going to be mile 19. So I'm stealing that from you. Oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, I tell you, man. Well, you know, I mean, there's so many quotes about like the last mile, right? Like if you knew that you were one mile, one mile away from everything you ever dreamed of and worked for and you know, sleepless nights and, you know, all that, if you were one mile, would you quit? And I think even more interesting, your story, right? you were several miles and often that's a lot of times what happens, yes. right? Is you're yes, not actually that close, but I mean, you're so far, but you're also not that close, right? Yes. Yes. Reminder. Marathon <laughs> is not 23 miles. <laughs> no, it really, you know, it was such a, such, I go back to that, you know, I mean, that was a hundred years ago. Not really, but you know what I'm saying? You know, 2008, 12 years ago, good Lord. But what a lesson. Hmm. you ask about my wife earlier that would be something that i would do is convince her it was 23 miles and find out during the race it was longer yeah, <laughs> yeah. man well stephanie uh we appreciated your story we appreciated you joining us it was uh very uh, i hope the listeners will check you out if they haven't already and it was a oh, fascinating thank story you. thank you guys so much for having me i appreciate you be safe Stay healthy, wash your hands, do all the things. And I can't wait to meet you guys in person. And let's make sure that happens. Would For love sure. that once the world opens up. And Lauren, be extremely safe. Yeah. Up in New York, New York the, City is a fun the time. NYC. <laughs> yeah. But seriously, thank you guys so much for what you do and just for sharing my story. It's awesome. I really appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you for sharing. It was wonderful. 
Path Distilled is hosted by Kevin Harris and Lauren Tashman, created and produced by Kevin Harris. The content is copyrighted by the Path Distilled, all rights reserved.